The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Inside Out with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic a post-Father's Day look at how you really felt about your dad. Some of us wax poetic about dad and how great he was. Some of us are pissed at the guy till the day we die. Some of us didn't even know him. How did you really feel about your dad? I personally had mixed feelings. Do you know? Do you want to? Did you fear him? Yes. Hate him? (laughs) Sometimes. Crave more attention from him? Yes. Really bond with him? Or barely see him? Well, mostly male bonding over sports and other externals. Uh, Did you adopt your mother's view of him? Did you reflect his view of himself? Did he embarrass you? Did he overshadow you? What's a dad for anyway? Let's get a real inside-out look into our relationship with dad. Who was he to you? And and how did that affect you? Stay tuned and hear host Beth Green guide our discussion with her usual humor and insight. If you call in, she can even help you sort out your feelings. Father's Day may have passed, but let's not let another day go by without understanding a relationship that has been so critical to who we are. And join our weekly post-show forum. See the link on the right side at the the host page for Inside Out, where you can join the conversation via phone or internet whenever you can. And now, here is Beth from the Inside Out. Welcome to Inside Out. As usual, I'm really excited to be with you. Oh, my. First of all, the fact that this show happened after Father's Day. James, when was Father's Day? That was the 15th, 15th of June. Okay. So we are doing this live on June 24th. So would you notice that I'm a little bit late with the show? Yeah, well, it's never too late to talk about how we really felt about I know that, but what does that tell you? Hmm. That tells you that I don't really think much about my dad. <laughs> I mean, it was embarrassing for me to realize that we had let this holiday pass without me even noticing it. I, I don't think that I took, I really looked at Mother's Day either. So we're, we're going to try to correct that, right? So in fact, we are having a July 4th show on July First, that's going to be podcast that week. What do you think of that? Hey, you're up on it now, girl. Hey, we are. We're with it. So I guess you got was, no problem with independence. And, <laughs> <laughs> I'm an uppity woman. So <laughs> there it is. I mean, I think that says everything. I don't really think about my father very much, but of course, I have to tell you that my father has been dead for 34 years, uh, which is almost half my life now. So there you have it. Uh, But then when I thought about it this morning, I thought, what did I really know about my dad anyway? You know, I was thinking about what I might want to say about uh, my father and fathers and what our father's for and all of that. So if you look at it, all right, in my particular case, my father died 34 years ago when I was 35 years old. Oh, my God, now you know how old I am. And then for eight years of my life, my parents disowned me 
for not being with somebody they approved of on a racial grounds alone, which I did not appreciate. So I didn't talk to him for eight years. Then I was a baby. And, you know, there's not that many years of my life that I actually had interactions with my father. Now, some people, uh, they have a lot of interactions with their dads. My mother is going to be 100 years old next week. And I've had a lot of interactions with her over many, many years. But my father, I don't really know that much about him. I, I knew him when I was a child. And, of course, I saw him through the eyes of a child, which meant it was all about me, right? <laughs> uh, I didn't really see him as a differentiated human being, and I didn't know that much about him. In addition to that, my dad had a nervous breakdown when I was six years old. And uh, he became even more of a mystery to me at that time than he had been before. He was nervous. He was distressed. I mean, he was having a tough time. And I think I looked at him through the perspective of my mother, which is one of the questions that we, we ask ourselves here. Am I seeing him through his eyes, through my mother's eyes? I think I saw him a lot through my mother's eyes. And so even the years that I had with him, what kind of like I I didn't I didn't know the man. I saw him. He came home at night. He was the devoted father type. And I'm not gonna put that down. That that's a lot. Some people would kill to have a devoted father. <laughs> you know, my father was very responsible. He went to work when he could. Um he did not earn a lot of money, but he did his best. Uh, he and my mother cleaned up the house, and he was a responsible family man. In fact, maybe even a little bit unusual for the times, because in those days, women did much more of the child care and the housework than men did. But my, my parents, there was a lot of equality there. My mother also worked. But it's all kind of like on the surface, you know what I mean, of who he was, how he behaved. I saw him from the perspective of an outsider and that's kind of sad now the first thing I want to ask you guys out there our listenership is how much of a real relationship did you have with your father some of you guys had fathers who well you may never have even known them or your parents got divorced or that kind of thing but others of you have had had fathers who went to work every day and worked long hours or went to the bar after work or uh, just didn't care that much about their children and were very focused on other things. You may not have known your fathers very well either. So the first thing to look at is how well did you know your dad? Well, I would have to say that for me, I didn't know him very well. Uh, that uh, he was certainly uh, in the household uh, uh, until the uh, I turned 18. But... Um, he traveled a lot. He was away a lot for work, mm-hmm. but mostly his his. Uh, I saw him as a disciplinarian. You know, I was raised in the time when it was okay to swat your child with a belt, and, or slap him in the face, and I feared him, mm-hmm. and so I didn't feel close to him. I didn't feel connected with him very much, and uh, he would bond with us mostly around sports, like I mentioned or family, uh, things that had to be taken care of, tasks around the house, that sort of thing. But, uh, or, or we'd uh, you know, play golf together, but he always had to win. 
and I never felt really supported very much in the sense of being the young buck who could uh, uh, exceed him, you mm-hmm. know, that he, 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 even when we were teenagers and we, my brother and I had boxed in the garage, he'd come out and he'd have to whip us in boxing as well. I mean, it's like <laughs> every, every single thing he was competitive at if we played bas- basketball together, he was always uh, he always won, you know. Uh, so it was a hard thing. It was it was almost a competitive relationship. It sounds like it was more than almost a competitive relationship. Yeah, it I really was. I think that that's that's very true in a lot of ways. For many of us, the competition with our fathers uh, in men could be on the level of aggressiveness of sports, uh, brains, success. Uh, there are a lot of levels on which father and son uh, compete. And for us uh, girls, it was whether or not we competed with our fathers. We may have also been competing for our fathers, uh, competing with mom for dad. And in a way, that would also get in the way of having a real relationship with our fathers. You know, I want to ask the question of what are fathers for? First, I want to say that I think being a parent is an amazingly difficult challenge for anybody. Some of you out there who are listening are fathers. Not only did you have fathers, but you are fathers. And you know how difficult that is. You as the adult have a responsibility to have command over your own emotions in the face of the acting out of your children. That starts very young. Kids cry, kids whine, kids fight. There's all kinds of stuff that kids do, right? And you, as the responsible adult, are supposed to have some kind of command over yourself. Sometimes when you're a little girl and you have a father or a father figure in the home, that father figure may not have command over his sexuality. And while the little girl may be flirting her little brains out, We expect the adult to be able to contain himself, or it could be a father and son where there are sexual issues going on. So uh, that is the demand. The demand for fathers is that they be more mature emotionally and more together than their children. I mean, isn't that it? You want to have a dad who, like in the movies, would let you win every once in a while to build up your self-confidence, right? Rather than a dad who was a real guy who felt inadequate himself and had to prove something. Right, which all, most guys do. Almost all guys feel like they have to prove something. So Absolutely. if it's coming from your father, that diminishes the, the support that you feel from your father. Absolutely, and that is a very tough situation. So before I leave the subject of how tough it is to be a father, I want to say how tough it is to be a parent. Yesterday afternoon, we took in a little dog in the hopes that maybe she and our current dog will be great companions. Well, she has had a lot of trauma in the last weeks. Her guy, the old grandpa who had her died uh, just two weeks ago. And then she um, went into a home of the, the granddaughter, but she had a son who was very, let's say, very energetic and not very gentle. And the the little dog was five pounds. He was just scared to death. And she's been having a tough time. Well, she came to live with us late yesterday afternoon. And uh, the first thing that happened was she bonded with James instead of me. 
Imagine that. <laughs> Imagine that. Nerve. And did I have a mature response to that? Absolutely not. On the one hand, I said, well, it's a good thing that she's bonding with somebody. But I was really mad that it wasn't me. Then on top of that, to make things worse, James was flirting with her. I mean, is this not that story of uh, our lives? And then she was uh, whining and crying and distressed and distraught, which, of course, is perfectly normal. And she kept me up all night. Now, she should have been keeping James up all night, too, but he sleeps <laughs> through everything. She was up. She was down. I didn't. And she went out and then she got lost. And she found, I mean, she settled down at five in the morning. I barely got any sleep last night. But. There was great preparation for the show because how many fathers get sleep, especially in this day and age, when mothers and fathers are sharing the, the child care. So here we are. We I are, did that. I did that with my daughter. I was up countless hours uh, in the wee hours of the night trying to pacify her and help her get back to sleep or meet her needs. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. And is that's a lot. So here you are. You're already exhausted. You're sleep deprived. You've got to go to work the next day. And, um, you know, you're, you still have all those same demands on the job that you had the day before, right? I'm talking about you guys, you dads. And um, then this little strumpet comes along and she <laughs> flirts and she flirts with you and you're going to love it. You know, that's going to tweak your heart, make you feel great. And then you're going to forget all about your firstborn child who's a son, uh, or you're going to forget about your wife because you need that. Or, or you're so tired that you're falling over that you really resent her. Or this, or that, or the other thing. So it's not an easy gig. That's what I'm trying to say. And if we're going to allow our fathers to be real to us, we have to also remember how difficult fathering is. And now we take our fathers, who probably didn't have the greatest parenting Either some of them may have been abused as child of children, may have been beaten, may have been molested, may have been neglected, may have been ignored, may have been bullied, uh, may have been spoiled, may have been given all kinds of entitlement complexes, you know, whatever bad upbringing they had. How do they know how to parent? And how much self-command do they have? I... I, you know, I, as a counselor, I've heard so much, so many awful stories uh, from one client after another who comes in, you know, people who seem like, oh, this is a normal person, right? You expect them to behave normally, whatever that means, which means you expect a certain amount of maturity and so on from that person. And they come into your office and you're a counselor, right? And they sit down and they start telling you the story of their lives. And you're just, I mean, this is true for me. Sometimes my jaw falls about what people have gone through in their lives. And so many of them have awful stories to tell about their mothers or their fathers. And now let's take a look at those fathers. If those fathers were in my office, what kind of stories do you think they would have to tell about the way they were treated? How much can we expect? How much emotional maturity, self-command, well-being can we actually expect from our parents from based on the way they were raised? And yet at the same time, we can't go into denial about the pain that they inflicted. 
if you have a dad who was, for example, oh, an alcoholic or an addict or a womanizer or a gambler or any of those things that really impact the family and the children, um, you're going to be you're going to be hurt. You're going to be really, really hurt. You're going to be brought up by people who don't have that capacity to look at you and meet all your needs in a mature way and at the same uh, time have self-respect. It's not going to be there. And your parents need to have that either. So as we go forward, and I'd love people to call into the show because uh, um, if you are ready to share about the way you felt about your father. So here it is. I want us to have compassion for the fathers that had all these problems, and yet we have to have accountability in our world. People can't be allowed to just hurt one another willy-nilly. And today in our society, there's a lot more opportunities for help. There is counseling. There is free programs for addiction. There is anger management. There's a lot of other options, self-help books. It still ain't easy. But we, there are things at the stream. At my own organization, we have lots of mutual support. I suggest that if you have any interest in pursuing any of this, you go to bethgreen.org. We have a fabulous new website, by the way, that you can look at. And uh, you go and take a look at all the free supports we have. And we also have a men's group. We're going to be having a men's retreat at the end of the month um, where men can actually support one another to have compassion, but also to have compat- uh, accountability. Because what is a father for? A father is to teach you how to cope with life. But if your father doesn't know either, or if he's carrying in an old paradigm of how to cope with life, what is he going to be able to teach you? And if your parents are angry with one another or are fighting with one another or are both stressed and overtired, how much support are they giving each other to be able to give to you? So these are the kinds of questions that we're going to deal with when we come back from our commercial break. So write down that phone number. Call James, what's our number? Yes, 866-472-5795. And give us a call and don't go away. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org.
invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back to Inside Out. Today we're talking about dads, our dads, how we really felt about them. And uh, we're looking at having compassion for our fathers and also being in reality about some of the damage they may have caused and why that is and, and what kind of fathers we are as well. And one of the questions that I asked is, what is a dad for? And just wanted to elaborate on that for just a second, which is I said that, you know, the, the purpose of a father is to teach us how to cope with life on life's terms. But if the father, and the same thing is true for the mother. And uh, But if our parents don't know how to cope, if my father, uh, his way of coping with life was to, to hide out in his room and read books or to uh, drink a beer and have a newspaper, uh, you know, uh, drink a newspaper. Yes, read a newspaper or um, escape into work or get angry and, and uh, beat us up. I mean, what did I learn about how to cope with life? So I'm very happy to say that we have a caller and she's going to be sharing about her feelings about Dad. And uh, it's Elizabeth from Fallbrook. And welcome to Inside Out. Hi. Thank you. Hi. Hi. Um, you know, I think I actually have mixed feelings about my dad. Um, you know, I did feel close to him growing up. And he spoiled me rotten. So I loved him for that <laughs> and appreciated that. And, you know, felt that I had a very special bond with him because he, I was the only one, it appeared, that he would listen to. So I think I, um, you know, that was a, I don't know. Um, a little flattery as, there. Yes, a little flattery, exactly. Yeah. Um, but um, he was, I know he was a hard worker. He worked on a farm. Um but I don't recall him, like, just relaxing and just talking, conversing. I mean, they would watch, my parents would watch TV, they would golf, they would go socialize with people, but as far as, like, socializing with the kids, you know, on a person-to-person basis, I don't really recall that. So I feel in, in ways I, I don't really even know know him in, in, in that way as far as what he was like. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I could see how he liked to have fun, but by the time I came around, he his body was worn out, and so he was in a lot of physical pain for most of what I can remember. So um, he was withdrawn a lot. You know, pain, pain is hard on someone, and yeah, it can make it very difficult for anybody to enjoy life. And I can I've experienced myself how easy it is to just withdraw because you're just hurting too much. Well, did your mother? Uh, treat him like he was a different person from the person that you saw him to be. Hmm. And this is a question that all of you out in our audience can be asking yourselves. Because what Elizabeth is talking about is 
very typical, which is she knew her father in a particular way, which is the way that he treated her. But that was only one aspect of who he was. And then there may be a totally different way of uh, seeing him if you saw him from the perspective of your mother. Now, I know that that was true for me. And I, I picked that up in what you said, because when you were talking, Elizabeth, about uh, you know, your, that your parents, your father didn't socialize with you, well, he was probably mm-hmm. socializing with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you may not have really let that in because you were the favorite, as you've described. And you were flattered by that. But how would it feel to realize that your mother had a relationship with your dad that you didn't even glimpse well, or have still, a piece of? Hmm? Mm-hmm. I mean, jealousy comes up around that thought. Around that perspective. Uh, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And we don't, you know, being human ourselves, uh, we don't want to see that our father's needs might be, or anybody's needs might be getting better filled as we see it because we're in a competitive universe. So we think of everything as better. We don't think of it as, this is my part. This is her part. You know, it's, we're always comparing, right? And comparing and competing mm-hmm. and contrasting. So you're looking at him, and do you want to see the intimacy between your mother and your father? Oh, no. Right. <laughs> so this leads to your question, which you haven't asked me yet. Which I haven't asked you yet? No, you haven't asked me your question. So based on oh. what we were just talking about, what do you think your actual question is of why you called today? Mm. Uh, what am I not seeing? Um, okay, now I, I'd like to see if, I'd like to put you on hold. We have another okay. caller, and I want you to think about that. So if we could do that, that would be great. So okay. thanks for calling, and don't go away. Okay. All right. So can we do that? Have Elizabeth on hold, and let's bring in Erica from San Diego. Yeah. Hey, uh, this is such a touching subject for me. I, it's bringing up so much emotion all of a sudden. Really? I, it's unexpected. Um, the compassion piece has come in so strongly. Mm. All of a sudden, you know, I, I think I held a grudge against my father for the distance that um, was, I couldn't understand, you know, he he was able to be closer, especially to me when I was younger, but, mm-hmm. you know, understanding the whole picture of who he was and what he went through, he went through um, just, you know, terrible experiences in World War II and tried to just put it behind him. Never spoke of it. I didn't even know of it until I turned 21 that he was a prisoner in Dachau and he had to survive that and his his way of surviving that was once the war was over, it was just to put it all behind him, never speak of it again. And what it took for him to do that, to start over completely 
I think in many ways he became an, uh, one, you know, the oldest child of the family more than, you know, he was an older sibling more than he could be my dad. But I think it just took so much energy to do that. And as he got older, he couldn't maintain that. Now, if, uh, Erica, I'd like to ask you something. Uh, you said that your father was a prisoner in Dachau, but yeah. was he, I think you need to clarify whether he was a um, a Jew who was in a concentration camp or um, because of the way that the age and so on as you're talking, or was he in the war? He was imprisoned in Dhaka along with the Jews. Um, several people who were non-Jews were imprisoned in, in these concentration camps. Right, and why was he imprisoned? It was coming to the end of the war, and he had escaped from the POW camp. In fact, he escaped from two POW camps. And because it was coming to the end of the war, the German resources were so limited that they were not going to transport him to a POW camp. The closest camp was Dachau. Aha. That's interesting, Erica. I had a feeling that this was going to be an important piece of this story. Mm. Because... What I'm hearing now, because, you know, just listening, people would think, oh, well, he, he was a Jew and he was in Dachau, uh, yeah. or, a, or a gypsy or homosexual, or the, uh, but he actually was a, an, an ar- a, a member of the army who had been captured and was a POW and had escaped twice and ended up in a concentration camp. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So now... I'm. Uh, th- uh, whew, this is what I'm feeling, uh, honey. This yeah. piece about this is that how do you think a human being would feel if they escaped from two prisoner of war camps? We have to tell people what POW means. Not everybody would know that. You know, it, yeah. two, he escaped from two prisoner of war camps and he kept getting thrown back. But this time he ended up in Dachau. Yeah. What do you think is the impact of that on his consciousness? Uh, I think that he must have felt completely doomed and devastated. I would think so. And just to follow up on that, um, what does it take to try to escape from a prisoner of war camp? It takes so much courage to be the one that's going to either go out the tunnel or whatever method they they use to escape. You know, it's one thing to be co- in covert activity of creating the escape, but it's another one completely to be the one that's going to go. Yes, going and he was, he was one who went. And he did it twice. Twice. So where did his courage land him? Oh, deep, deep, deep. Devastation. Yes, a much worse situation. I would imagine as bad as the POW camps were if they weren't Dachau. For those people who don't know, Dachau is one of the concentration camps, the death camps that the Nazi regime uh, created to kill Jews, basically. Um, it was an extermination camp, wasn't it? 
Absolutely, yeah. It wasn't a work camp, you know, like there were different kinds of camp. It was a place people were sent to, to, to die, primarily. And so um, it's very interesting. I've never understood things like that. I don't know where you find a prisoner of war, you pick him up, and why don't you just shoot him? But instead you send him to a, a camp. I, I, I've, I don't know enough about the history of World War II to really understand that. But from a subjective perspective, you get your courage up, you get your courage up, you get your courage up, you keep taking these real risks for freedom, and you end up worse than you were before. Yes. And so if that was in his consciousness when he came back, how do you think that impacted the way he viewed life and how do you think that impacted you? That's such a great question. Uh, You know, I saw the side of my dad that knew that it was a miracle that he made it out and that mm. he lived on that. Mm. And choosing to wall off that part of him that had had that horrible experience make, made me aware that there was more to him that I was not allowed access to. Yes. So. Well, it's, yes, yes, but it's more than that you were not allowed to have access to him because he walled himself off. What was he trying to wall off in himself? Well, was it how he felt about himself? Well, what's striking me, Erica, as I'm trying to feel into this situation, what that might have been like for someone such as he, is that his courage got him in worse and worse trouble. And, and as that happened, he would have a choice of either giving up or trying to pump himself up one more time to keep trying. Mm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. You know, d- do I dare to be courageous again? Yeah. When my courage has probably mm. caused much worse conditions. He probably was very badly treated uh, when he, after he escaped even the first time because people don't like that. And, you know, jailers don't like escapees. It, ma- it makes them look bad. I mean, somebody's head rolls when somebody escapes, right? They're all in a society where they have to protect themselves, their asses. It's not like a benevolent society where everybody's singing around kissing each other, right? And so whoever was responsible for the allowance of these prisoners to escape is also in trouble. And there's a lot of fear of being the one. And then there's a lot of anger towards anybody who's managed to escape the system. And, and there could be retribution. So I can't imagine that he was anything but more abused for his courageous stand. As many of us in different contexts have discovered that 
what, you know, if we're talking about the civil rights movement or the anti-apartheid movement or so many, you know, the, the, the revolution, the American revolution, you know, people who are fighting for something often are when they are courageous and they go out there and they stand up front, they are punished. It is true. Yeah, people want, you know, you, the, people want to make a, uh, a, a symbol out of you so that other people won't do the same thing. So I can only imagine, I mean, I can really only imagine what your father went through and what he would have felt about his own courage and anybody's courage. Would he have been in favor of his daughter or his son or anybody close to him standing up and speaking out did he oh, do that? Of course, of course not. Um, my the middle brother in my family, the middle child in my family was, you know, chose to be brave and stand up to my father, and yes. that went terribly. You know, it was absolutely never behave like this again. Mm. So when Isn't my brother that interesting? Yes, go ahead. Fascinating. I you know I never really understood that piece. But it was because my brother was so courageous and said something is terribly wrong and, you know, he would, he would be punished. Mm-hmm. Just as your father was punished for being courageous. And yeah. on some unconscious level, your father was trying to teach your brother to cope differently from the way that he coped. That's right. Because your father coped by being courageous. And he didn't want his son to do that. There's that old phrase, the sins of the father are visited upon the sons. Mm. And subsequent generations. And so there it is. So not only was your father afraid to be courageous himself anymore, and yet he was expected to carry on like nothing happened, right? Which was his own, his act of courage was to show up. Um. And his yeah. fear of action, of taking action, would have paralyzed him on so many levels. And then he has a son, and he, he hates that part of himself. He loves that part of himself because it made him feel proud, but he hates that part of himself because it endangered him. And you can see both of those in the way he related to his son. So I really would like to thank you for calling, and uh, we're about to go to break now, but... Um, I think that was a very interesting ex- example that would make a lot of us think because our our fathers, many of us, many of them were not in wars, but they had other very painful situations that they had to cope with as well. So thanks for calling, Erica. And we'll be calling on Elizabeth as soon as we come back and find out if she's figured out what her question is. Visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, bethgreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. 
Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. The 7th Wave Channel on The Voice America Network. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is beth at bethgreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back to Inside Out, where we're talking about fathers and uh, what they're for and how we've really felt about them and did we really know them. So we had been talking to Elizabeth earlier in the show and we asked her to go on hold and to think about what her question was. She'd been describing something. And so I'd like Elizabeth to come on now. And we also have another caller after her. So I'm glad to see people taking advantage of this moment to really examine our relationships with Dad. Okay, Elizabeth, welcome back to Inside Out. Thanks. Um, I'm not totally clear, but I'm thinking there's a clue with what Erica was experiencing with her father and what her father went through with the war and such. Yes, there was, which was, you know, God's way, right? I got that. We should put you on hold, and I didn't know why. And then we had Erica, and it was like, oh, oh now you're ready to come back. So yeah. isn't that interesting? Yeah, go go so, ahead. Uh, so it feels like there's some aspect about my dad that I didn't even know about because he yes. also went to the war. Um, he was not in a concentration camp or anything, but, um, yeah. He lived through it, though. He lived through it, but he, he wasn't, um, he actually had polio, so he didn't go into actual combat. Mm. He was uh, like a radar, you know, from MASH. Mm-hmm. So, but he was in the midst of, um, you know, everybody in the war. So he was still present and there, but that changed yes. him. So how yes. does it change him? Yes. Yes. And that's something you never thought about. I'm not blaming you, but you never thought about and you didn't know, but your mother knew. Mm-hmm. And what you mm-hmm. never realized, and I can feel it now, you know, is that your mother made allowances for your father because he wasn't the same man when he came back. Oh. I, I'm getting the feeling that she knew him before. Yeah. Okay. Well, did she... Uh, Even if she didn't actually know him, which I think she did, I feel that she knew him before in some way, way whether it was the way people talked about him or um, 
or the way he talked about himself. Maybe I, you know, maybe the detail isn't right. I just feel very strongly that she realized that something happened to him in the war. Okay. Now think about that for a second. H- how would she have known? Well, she, how would she have known? She'd have to know him before he went to the war. Unless he shared it with her. Yes. So he, he actually had a close relationship with her. That's that right. he could share the pain that he experienced from the war. That's right. And I can see why, you know, he didn't share it with his kids because he, didn't, he was protecting his kids. Or at least he thought he was. Yeah. So glad that this came up. And I'm going to have to let you go for now, Elizabeth. So glad that you called in uh, because you and Erica are not the only ones. If you're of a much younger generation, your father might have been in Vietnam or in Korea. How many kids are now growing up with fathers who've been to Iraq or Afghanistan? Mm-hmm. And what happens to those men and how they saw themselves and how they felt about themselves? There are some million things that happened in the war and how much they were traumatized by the violence around them. So, a lot thanks of them for, beca- yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, go no, ahead. go ahead, James. Uh, I was going to say a lot of them become very shut down. Yes. Because if they don't want to feel it, they don't want to experience that pain. And then they yes. become shut, shut down parents. Yes. And yeah. thank God there's more acknowledgement of that today than there was then. For But we still have a dismal situation with our veterans. So now I'd like to invite on Helen uh, from San Diego. Helen, welcome back to Inside Out. Thank you. Um, I don't really know what question I have to ask about my dad. It's been an interesting relationship he was a wonderful dad for young kids. He was a very young father. He had six children by the time he was 25. He was a Ph.D. student at the time. And, you know, we had a lot of fun, even though he must have been working hard at school. He was very playful and would play with all of us kids. And then he left. Mm. And... I didn't really have much of a relationship with him until I went to college. I lived with him for a year maybe or something, and then he left again because of illness. He, he got asthma and had to go back to California. Um, interesting. I'm seeing a pattern that I never saw before. That <laughs> yes. Then we, we got to be very close again when I moved out to California, and then his wife got mad at me. And he left again. <laughs> yes. Yes, I was feeling every turn, time you said the word left, I felt my stomach turn upside down. So, what well, did that, that impacted me? Yes, yes, of course. We were just looking at Erica and how she was impacted by uh, a father who was afraid of courage. And yeah. I didn't ask Erica, but, uh, you know, wh- of course the question would be, and did that make you afraid of courage too? Which, of course, 
We know the answer is yes. You can feel that. And so how did it impact you, Helen? Well, I guess it made me afraid of people leaving. <laughs> so I left. I don't know. I mean, it made me feel insecure. Yes, but it's not. Yeah, that's true. But go a little deeper. Um, it made me feel that, I don't know, I was a matter of convenience or something like that. Well, this is very simple-minded, so I'm, I, I hate to even bring it up. But, uh, you know, the obvious first thing, maybe you meant this before about being insecure, was that it created in you a pattern of belief that men would always leave. Always. Yeah. And so how were you impacted by the belief, the paradigm, that men always leave? Well, I didn't have to be very careful about who I chose. How true that is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that is so fun. (laughs) Because they're going to leave anyway. That's absolutely... Not going to last long. I can have fun with them while, while we can and... It doesn't Absolutely. matter because it's not going to be forever. I, I think that would give you a, a, a feeling about relationships uh, that you don't have to be careful about who you choose. I, I think that's, that's brilliant. And uh, that's brilliant. And there's something else that it did. Well, they're not going to last, so I don't value them as much as I do my relationships with women. Right. You don't, you don't want to invest. Yeah, I don't want to invest. Yeah. Very good. Excellent. Well, is there anything else? My husband will appreciate this. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. We're always happy to oblige. Uh, Is there anything else that you uh, would like to share or ask while you're on before we hang up today? Well, I'm sure I imparted the same misinformation to my daughter So that you're bringing this around, so that your view of men then gets passed on to your daughter. Right. Yeah. That's good. That's it. Thanks so much for your call. Okay, thank you for your answer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I like your goodbye. I like to help people, and I encourage people to call into Inside Out if you have a personal situation where you need support. Uh, If I can help you, I will. If I can't, oh, well, we can. uh, I'd like to see, oh, it looks like we may have. Oh, we have another caller, so I forget what I was going to say. Okay, we have Christine from San Diego. I'll try to be fast. I know you only have a couple minutes. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. Um, so I wasn't able to listen the first 20 minutes because uh, of work, but um, I've heard Erica and Elizabeth and Helen share. Yes. And um, I was on the show a couple weeks ago, and we talked about, Madame Mazurka talked about how I felt so vulnerable being half Japanese, being yes. Asian. Mm-hmm. And when I think about my dad, my dad is white. Mm-hmm. 
And um, I know my mom saw him as weak, and I did as well in some ways. Mm-hmm. But I was wondering if I also blamed him for the white part of him not being stronger. That you associated white with weak. Yes. Yes, you did. Okay. <laughs> That's very good. And yeah. I think you have mm, just a very quick little coda question that you would like to add to that before we have to go. Um, do I... Is it related to me or to other people? It's related to you and how you see yourself. Well, do I see myself as part strong, part weak? Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. And how do you treat the part of you that you consider to be weak? Um, the same way my mom <laughs> treats my dad, I think, <laughs> which is domination and um, uh, contempt. Contempt is the very word. Yes. 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 Well, Thanks. that's that's great. Thank you so much for your call. Thanks. Um, we don't really have any time left today to actually go into any major healing process about our fathers, but I think that having this conversation in itself is the beginning of a healing because we begin to see our fathers as real. We um, we have tended to think of our parents from the perspective of ourselves as children, it takes a lot for us to think of them as being somehow real in and of themselves, and that's kind of important. And as came up with Elizabeth's example, which is so great, was about jealousy of uh, anybody who does have a real relationship. And how many people have I heard who said, I couldn't believe it, when I went to my dad's funeral, there were all kinds of people there who said what kind of a great guy he was. And I didn't think he was, or I didn't know that, or I didn't even know he knew that many people. And it's always kind of shocking to discover that our parents exist outside of ourselves. Well, I'm going to tell you, is we don't only do that with our parents. We do that with our spouses. We do that with our children. We kind of do that with our world. It's like what exists outside of me is not nearly as important as what exists in relationship to me. So that's a very good reminder for all of us. So I can't believe we are out of time. James, Yes. tell us what's happening next week. Yeah, that's a very good segue into the theme of next week, which is independence. Uh, Honor the Declaration of Independence, how we throw away our rights and how to take them back. The Declaration of Independence says that all persons are created equal and are endowed with inalienable rights such as uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Our rights may be inalienable, but we can still lose them. If you kill someone, you lose your liberty and maybe your life. If your pursuit of happiness includes molesting a child, you lose that right. But, uh, But not only do we lose our rights, we throw them away. We don't speak out of fear. We can't think because of our slavish assumption of social attitudes. We aren't free because of our addictions and egos. So on this edition of Inside Out, we're going to talk about our inalienable rights and how we keep them and how we lose them. So exercise your freedom of speech and call in. And we will uh, have an opportunity to uh, confront these questions and celebrate our 4th of July by taking back these rights. And now a final word from Beth. I love that. And we're going to do it in a timely fashion for a change. And how do you like that? Well, I've loved talked about, uh, talking about dads. Maybe we'll do that again. And I hope every dad in the, our listening audience has more and more compassion for himself. And let's take on this throwing away of our rights. 
And by the way, if you like this show, pass it on. You can share it on Facebook. You can email your friends. Uh, you can let people know and join our Inside Out post-discussion forum. You can see the link on the right. Get involved. The more you put in, the more you get out. Thanks for joining us at Inside Out. We'll see you next week. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a great week.